You have a God-given purpose waiting to be discovered. You have people around you ready to encourage you. And you may not even know it yet, but you have everything you need to chase your passion. So we just have one question. Are you in? Let's talk about it right now. Life has its ups and downs. Life can be fun. Life is sometimes hectic. And life is full of choices. Welcome to Venture, the podcast that brings the biblical truth to the ventures that we face in this world and live in today. Hey everybody, welcome back to another Venture Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Wills, lead pastor at Chandler Acres Church in Bellevue, Nebraska. Again, as always, so thankful to be joining you today uh, here on Venture Podcast. Hey, uh, we are in a brand new series. Uh, it's called I'm In, and I'm really looking forward to it. I get super excited about uh, starting new series um, every every time because it's just something, for me, it's something new. Um, and we're constantly uh, evolving, um, checking things out, uh, discussing new topics that affect our lives. And so each time we, we come up with uh, try to get something new out there for you guys, and and hopefully it uh, it's helping you. That's that's our goal, and so uh, we want to welcome you uh, to Venture Podcast. If it's your first time, we especially want to welcome you and appreciate you uh, downloading this episode and and listening today. So I have a question for you: uh, Are you in? Uh, I hope you're in. Uh, some of you are not going to answer that right now because you're not sure what I'm asking you to be in for, right? Uh, but here's what I want to do. I want to hope you understand the heart, uh, at least behind our church, and I hope it's behind uh, many other churches. And so for the next four weeks, I want you to embrace uh, these four qualities that are true identities of who you are in Christ, okay? And they happen to all begin with the letters I-N, uh, so it's talking about I'm in. And so here are the four qualities. Uh, the first one is I'm invited. Uh, we are all invited to uh, God's family. We're invited into God's family. Uh, second one is I'm invaluable. Uh, I'm invaluable to God's work. You see, we all have a gift, and every gift is is important. Uh, we just actually went over uh, talking about the gifts, um, not specific gifts, but how we're, we're called. Uh, we have this gift to be called. Uh, we just did that the last, uh, last series, uh, a couple episodes on that. So if you want to go back and download that, that would be, that would be cool. Um, the third one is I'm influential. Uh, the good news is every single one of you, you have influence. If you're a follower of Christ, you're created by God to be the salt of the earth, the light of this world, and you are uh, to influence others uh, for God's glory. And the last one, fourth one, I'm invested. Uh, we're all invested in the, work of, in the work of God. And so today, what I want to talk to you about is one of the core themes of the gospel, and it is that you are invited into God's family. Now, I don't know about you, but to me, one of the worst feelings is to feel left out or to feel uninvited. I, I don't know if you've ever been scrolling along through Instagram or any other social media platform and you see all your really good friends somewhere else and, and you're not there, and suddenly there's this sinking feeling of, why wasn't I invited, right? Uh, I'm, I'm sure some of us, maybe not with social media directly, but we felt that way in some instance or another. And so I want to share a story about something that my friend experienced uh, years ago, and after he told me, told it to me, it was one of the most heartbreaking stories I've heard, and it became a ministry-shaping moment of my life, okay? Uh, my friend John uh, went to a small church to fill in uh, for the pastor that was on vacation. 
And there was this guy in the service, and the only way my friend John knew how to describe it was he had what you called uh, a mad vein. There, there was this vein in his forehead that just perpetually proclaimed, I'm mad at the world, you know? Uh, sometimes there's just Christians that when they read the Bible, they get all loving and full of grace, and others of them kind of get angry and, and get mad veins. And, and I don't know why they do that, but sometimes people just do. Um, but John said this guy had the had the mad vein, and and as John was preaching, um, and uh, he was telling jokes, and and, and it was going well. He, he even told a funny joke, and he knows it was funny because the rest of everybody else was laughing. Uh, and but instead, this mad vein guy, instead of smiling, um, his, his his vein just popped out, right? And, and so he's looking at this guy through the whole service, and. Well, after the service, John went out to greet the people who were who were leaving and, and for the first service and, and greet the people who were coming into the next service. And and the receptionist came up all excited and said, oh my gosh, we have a guest coming, you know, because evidently this didn't happen often. She was so excited. She said, you you better be good in the next service, implying that, that maybe John wasn't good in the first one. And maybe that's why the vein was there. I don't know, you know. Well, you better be good. We got a guest coming. We got a guest coming, right? This lady was super excited and, 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 and going on. So John was outside with this mad vein guy who was, happened to be chosen to be the greeter, which might be one of the reasons why the church was so small. But anyway, just saying. <laughs> and he saw the guest drive up. And the reason he knew it was the guest, because her car didn't look like everybody else's car. And when she got out, she wasn't dressed like anybody else. Everyone else had on very nice formal clothes. And, and she honestly looked like she had probably uh, slept in her outfit. She looked like life had been very, very hard to her. And John couldn't be more excited to welcome her into church, right? And so as he was walking up, um, John said this mad vain guy just kind of stepped in front of him and said to this guest, young lady, is that the best outfit you have? Because in our church, we wear our best for God. And John said instantly, she, she looked so broken, so ashamed. She, she turned around super fast, got in her car, and sped off before John could just do anything. And she left probably feeling uninvited. John said he could barely preach the next service. He was thinking about that, 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 that lady leaving the church and not being a part of that sermon at that point. If you've ever felt ashamed, unworthy, unwanted, or uninvited, I want you to hear one of the greatest truths of the gospel about Jesus, and that is this. Jesus invites the people others reject, right? Jesus invites the people others reject. Jesus invites those that religion despises, that others overlook, those who feel like they're, they're not good enough. You're invited to the family of God because Jesus invites the people others reject. And so what we're going to do today is we're going to dive into a story in Luke's gospel. It's Luke chapter 7. And before we do that, I want to give you a, some of the context of, of this gospel, this point in this, in this, in this uh, piece of scripture, so that you'll understand what's kind of going on. It was about 2,000 years ago or so, and, and Jesus was walking the face of the earth, and, and Jesus claimed to be God in the flesh. And people didn't know if they should believe him or if he's this crazy guy, okay? But certainly, though, Almost everyone would have thought, if Jesus was indeed God in the flesh, then certainly he would be in favor of the Pharisees, because the Pharisees were the most outwardly pious, outwardly visibly religious. They wore these flowing robes, they prayed long, eloquent prayers, they had these elaborate tessels and elaborate cleansing ceremonies, they were impressive uh, spiritually. 
Okay, and surely they would have never, ever been around anyone impure, anyone unclean. They would have always distanced themselves from sinners. And surely if Jesus were God, he would be for the Pharisees, right? Well, one day a Pharisee named Simon decided to throw a party at his house. Now, now a party that a Pharisee would throw is much different from a party today. For example, they wouldn't be roasting hot dogs and hamburgers and having potato salad and all that other stuff, you know. Uh, and they wouldn't be listening to the latest Jewish rap songs, okay? And before you ask, I, I don't know if there's really Jewish rap songs. I really don't know. But, but either way, it was, it was different than what we, we consider a party today. What they would do is they would gather with kind of this, this who's who of Pharisees, and they would put on a display or a show talking about weighty, important, and impressive things. It was kind of a public discussion where they would show off the wealth of their, their knowledge. They'd have this meal, and the meal would take place in what was known as the outer room of the house. And the outer room was on the edge of the house and almost always would be surrounded by a porch. And so they would meet and dine in this outer room talking about really important things. And then they would leave the door to the porch open so the common people could, could come from the outside and listen to the Pharisees show off, talking about cultural trends, about politics, about theology, and, and other things, right? Well, why did people come and listen? Well, you have to understand there was no internet, there's no Wi-Fi, right? There was no TV, there's no video games, there was no Fortnite, there's no Netflix, right? No one could sit around and binge watch The Housewives of Jerusalem, okay? <laughs> that would be an awesome show, wouldn't it? That'd be one I'd watch. I'd probably watch that, I'm just going to say, okay? But anyway, this was the free first century entertainment, okay? What happened is Jesus got invited to this party, and suddenly someone else came that was not invited. And when this person walked into the party... It was the most shocking thing these pious Pharisees had ever experienced, and they hated every moment of it. And so Luke tells us about this in Luke chapter 7, and we're going to start with verse 37. Here's what it says. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came through there with an alabaster jar of perfume. Now let me pause there for a moment, okay? When he said, lived a sinful life, that's, that's code language for the town prostitute. That, that's what the, that essentially means, okay? So, so imagine this. The Pharisees are sitting in the outer room. They are talking eloquently, talking about the ontological arguments of pneumatology, <laughs> right? Impressing everybody there, these big words. And, and suddenly a call girl walks into the party. And every Pharisee gra gasps is what I want to say, okay? They're just like... Oh my gosh, right? Oh, you know, and they're beside themselves. This isn't right. She wasn't invited. She's unclean. She's impure. She's a sinner. She's one of those people, and we don't hang around those people. She's unworthy, and she was not invited, right? And I want you to pause for a moment, if you can, and try to get into the mind of this, this young, hurting woman, and imagine what it would have been like to be her. And I'm, I'm going to be creative in thinking about her situation. I, I can't prove any of this, but with all my heart, what I believe is, although she did make some wrong decisions, I would bet my life on the fact that she never dreamed up, uh, uh, dreamed of growing up to be a, a prostitute, okay? There was never a time where she got her 11-year-old girlfriends over having a slumber party. They're playing truth or dare, light as a feather, or whatever they played back then. And, and they're asking each other, what do you want to be when you, when you grow up? And one girl goes, oh, I want to be a Mary Kay representative. And another, I want to be a real estate agent. And another one, I want to be a doctor. And another one, I want to be a YouTube star. And, and the last one goes, I want to be a hooker. I want my own pimp. 
you know? It just, she never said that. I promise you she never said that. So, so if that's not what she wanted, how did she end up there? This was not a profitable career, as it, it could be in some big cities today, right? Um, you know, I, it's out there. It was shameful, dark, degrading thing. It still is today. And so I have some ideas. I, I don't know if any of these are true, but they could have led her into this lifestyle. Maybe, maybe she had a very distant and uninvolved uh, parents, right, that didn't protect her from the wrong influences, you know, uh, and so maybe early on she made some bad decisions and those things spiraled. She, she got in the wrong crowd that led her in a bad direction maybe. Or maybe worse than that, her dad wasn't, uh, uh, her dad wasn't uninvolved, but her dad was abusive. Maybe her dad had a very twisted mind and took advantage of his daughter sexually early in life. And maybe she just got confused and felt this deep sense of shame and even guilt, even though it wasn't her fault. Because of that, she never really became secure in her identity, and she ended up looking for love in the wrong ways. Maybe both of her parents got killed somehow or died early. They often did back then, and maybe she was 15 years of age and, and had a younger brother and sister, and maybe she couldn't make enough money any other way. And one day, maybe her little sister, baby sister, was crying, saying, I'm hungry, I'm so hungry, I'm so hungry, you know, and she found a way to make money. And that she hated and despised every single day, but once she started... She couldn't stop. Maybe she felt trapped. Maybe something like this happened. She, she dated the wrong guy. He was older, and he pressured her, and she said, no, I don't want to, and he said, then I'm going to break up with you, and so she gave in, and he got her pregnant, then he skipped town, and he left her all alone. And back then, you couldn't have, just give your, your baby away for adoption. You, you couldn't get help from the government. You, you were shamed. You were despised. You weren't welcome at synagogue. You were, you were unemployable, okay? Maybe she felt like the only way I can support my baby since I can get a, can't get a job anywhere else is to do something that I hate every day of my life. You know, all these, I don't know for sure. But what I do know is that she never wanted this lifestyle. What I do know is that everywhere she went, every day, men used her and abused her. And, and, woman, uh, and women would, would just glare on hatefully at her, scorning her every step of the way. What I do know is she would have felt unloved. She, she would have felt very ashamed, and, and she never would have felt invited to anywhere safe, anywhere that mattered. What I do know is she might feel like a lot of us feel, you know, not good enough, guilty for, what we've, uh, for where we've been and wondering how we ended up where we are today, you know. I never thought I'd be whatever it is, you know, divorced, maybe filed bankruptcy, not in contact with one of my children. I never thought I'd be where I am here today. She felt uninvited. So what did she do? Well, this woman walks into the, the Pharisee's party, dashes straight over to Jesus and falls to her knees in a posture of worship, and she breaks open a jar of perfume and pours it on Jesus' feet. Why was this so significant? It was significant for, for a couple of reasons. Number one, because this was her most valuable possession. Meaning, we learn in Scripture that perfume is actually very rare, right? Almost no one could afford it. The value of it would have been about a year's worth of salary. That was her nest egg. That was her savings, okay? The second one, not only was it valuable financially, but it was in many ways a symbol of her future because perfume was kind of like your business card or your advertisement because normal women couldn't afford to wear perfume. And so if you were wearing perfume, it was a form of saying, hey, I am one of those who is selling my body. 
In one glorious single act, she simultaneously extravagantly worshipped Jesus and was symbolically rep- repenting of her old lifestyle, saying, "I'll give you away my. I'm going to give you away my most valuable possession that that represents my future. It's the best thing I have. I'm offering it all to you, Jesus." And she worshipped him. And in that moment, crying in repentance, she does this. Let's read on, verse thirty-eight. As she stood behind him at his weeping, uh, at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears, and then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. Now I need to kind of pause there for a moment and tell you the significance of this. In in the day of Jesus, to have her hair out that would have been considered completely inappropriate, because a Jewish woman would never, never, never unbind her hair in public. She is overcome with emotion, just worshiping Jesus, and she doesn't have a towel, and she realized, oh my gosh. I just cried over his feet, and so she takes her hair down and just uses her hair to wipe his feet because she can't contain her love, her adoration, and her worship for the Son of God. All right? Let's read on. Verse 39. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, pause there for a second, he said to himself, it means he didn't say it out loud. He's, he's talking under his breath, right? He says, if this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is that she is a sinner. In other words, Simon thinks the fact that that Jesus is letting this prostitute touch him proves he's not the son of God and he's not a prophet. And then Jesus basically responds by saying, oh yeah, I'm going to read your mind. Okay, because remember, he's thinking this. He didn't say this out loud. And Jesus reads his mind. That's what he does. And then he, and he says, uh, says this, watch this. Jesus speaks to him and says this in verse, starting in verse 44. Listen, then he turned towards the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little loves little. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. Here's a question I'd like to try to answer. Why did this woman risk so much to be at the feet of Jesus? Think about this. Why does she apparently rush across town when she heard Jesus was at this party? Why has she walked past men who might have propositioned her or even mocked her? Why would she have gone through the porch where the common people were who would have whispered, there she is, you know, stay away from her. Don't ever go, even go near her children. She's, she's one of those people. Why would she have gone into the house of Pharisee who, who wouldn't have even walked on the same side of the street of her sinful nature? Why would she have ignored every other person in the room and go straight to the feet of Jesus? Now, I can't completely answer that question because the text doesn't tell us, but I can tell you what I absolutely and completely believe. What I believe is she must have somehow, somewhere experienced his unconditional love and his indescribable grace. She certainly must have seen a miracle or heard him teach or sensed his divine nature. Let me tell you what I think happened. I think because Jesus was now in her, in her town, I think she probably heard him preach. My guess it was probably that day because of the urgency of her nature to break into the party where she knew Jesus uh, was going to be. If it was, if it was that day, what message did she hear then? Well, Luke doesn't tell us directly, but early in this very same chapter, Luke does uh, tell us on that day, the disciples of John the Baptist came to question Jesus. Matthew's gospel tells us uh, the parallel version of that very same story and talks 
about the day when, when John the Baptist's uh, disciples came to question Jesus. And on that very day, which would have been the day that she came to the party of the house of the Pharisees, Jesus did give a message. But what was his message? What was his message? I will summarize it, and then I'm going to show you the message. Okay, The summary of the message that Jesus gave that day, that perhaps his woman heard on the back of a crowd because she, definitely too ashamed to get up close, the summary was this. You are invited to God's family. You are invited. You are welcome. You come just as you are. The message this woman would have heard if she was there in the crowd and on the same day she broke into the house of the Pharisee, this is the exact message she would have heard the Son of God proclaim. Jesus said this, Matthew 11, verses 28 and 29. Listen to what he said. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Can you feel his love? Come to me, those who are wrecked and overcome with guilt. Come to me, those who are burdened by shame. Come to me, those who are tried, uh, who are uh, tired of trying and never living up to their own standards, much less living up to anywhere near God's standards, right? Come to me, those who have been rejected again and again by people. Come to me, those who, who religion has turned away. Come to me, those of you who didn't have the right clothes to wear to the right church because someone who didn't re represent truly the love of God told you that they weren't invited or you weren't invited or you weren't welcome. Come to me when you feel like you've got nothing left. Come to me when you've lost all hope. Come to me when everything in you feels desperate and doesn't know uh, if, if you can go on. Jesus says, you come to me when you're weary when you're overwhelmed, and I will give you a heavenly rest. Jesus said, you're still invited. You're welcome in God's family. My Father sent me to tell you he loves you. You're invited. I want you to notice a few things about this story. This is really important that we understand this. I want you to notice that, that pointing out this woman's sins did not lead her out of a lifestyle of sin. Did you see that? Judging her lifestyle didn't change her lifestyle. Shaming her for what she did didn't set her free from the painful past. What was it that changed her? It was an invitation to know the Son of God, to experience his grace, his goodness, his love, and his freedom. You have to understand this. Jesus didn't come for the healthy. Jesus came for the sick. Jesus did not come for the self-proclaimed righteous. Jesus came for hurting, broken, and repentant sinners. And Jesus said, you're invited. Come as you are. Come now, come quickly, come and know my grace. It doesn't matter who you are. If you've ever felt unwanted and maybe you feel like you failed and you doubted God or you questioned God or maybe you feel like you've been hurt by God, you're still invited. If you've let God down, if you've tried and failed and tried and failed again, you're still invited. Jesus says, come to me if you feel ashamed. Come to me if you feel unworthy. Come to me with your doubts, your addictions, your hangups, your baggage. Come to me with your past. Come to me with things that other people don't like and judge. Just come to me. Come to me and I will give you rest. Earlier, I told you about the lady that was turned away from, from church because of her clothes. And after I, I heard that story from my friend, I, I made a decision on that day that if I ever had the chance to lead a church, when it, when it comes to dress code, uh, it'd be very simple. Come as you are. Now, uh, I've been in the lead uh, of a church for a couple of years now, and that is what our dress code is. It's come as you are, okay? But there is one caveat to it. At least come dressed, okay? <laughs> come dressed, all right? But come as you are, where you are. Come in with every kind of hang-up, doubt, 
insecurity, those things that hold you back, you just come to Jesus as you are. You know why? Here's, here's the deal. With all the stuff that's going on in this world, all the division in, in, this, in, this, in this world today, okay, both political and, and, and religious and, and you name it, okay, all this division, it, here's the thing that we are all um, the same in. We're all equal at the foot of the cross. Amen? We're all equal at the foot of the cross. So whoever and wherever you are, you are invited to the family of God. Amen. This concludes another episode of Venture Podcast. I hope you'll join us next week as we continue our discussion of talking about I'm in and talking about the true identities of who you are in Christ. And specifically next week, we're going to talk about how valuable you are. Talk to you soon. If you'd like to know more about Venture Podcast or Chandler Acres Church, or if you'd like to support this ministry, please visit us at chandleracreschurch.com.